0: Thank you for tuning in to the First Gen Hunter podcast, the go-to resource for those seeking to establish a foundation in hunting knowledge, skills, and tactics. It has been way too long. Way, way too long. Uh, This guy here is one of the most talented hunters that I've ever met. Uh, Goes clear back to one of the very first episodes. I think it was episode number 13. We had our good buddy Noel Gandy on there, and as soon as we ended, he said, Hey, you got to talk to my friend Heath. Heath is a killer. And since then, we have definitely done that, but not we we like had i don't know we were probably averaging like two episodes a year there for a while and now it's been a little while it's probably been i don't know maybe pushing a year since i've had you on the show so we're way overdue here heath always some of my favorite uh episodes i always learn something i always come away a little bit better hunter so it's been far too long buddy but it's so good to get you back on the podcast you've been wearing out the turkeys and the turkeys have been wearing you out here lately is that right
1: uh yes the turkeys um we've won a few times but uh they have won a few more than i have won this year they, they've been a little 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 tough and uh like i said it is it's good to be back here talking with y'all but um turkey season's here i hope i hope the tides are turning you know we we popped two today so <laughs> that sounds
0: about right for heath <laughs> so did you catch up to that one you were telling me about on your home farm
1: uh you know i i went after him today and actually the landowner was on that piece of property that's one of my leases and then today i changed gears and i went to my farm and i had to do some work on a sprayer and i was just like you know chalking it up uh you know I ain't supposed to chase that, that turkey today. It's just one of them things, you know. So I, I guess it was around lunchtime. Um, I'm at the barn, and I kind of step out, and I hear something, and I'm like, hey, that sounded like a turkey gobble. <laughs> well, lo and behold, there was one gobbling on his own down there in the hardwoods. And <laughs> if you're a turkey hunter, and it's the middle of the day, and a turkey's gobbling on his own, that's usually not a good recipe for the turkey yeah yeah. (laughs) 30 (laughs) minutes later we was hauling him out of the woods so
0: So you got it done that's good that sounds about right for you uh
1: had a client this morning we shot one pretty quick right off the roost uh i we had him dead right before seven o'clock and then done a few things and then i killed one i guess probably about one o'clock when i ended up killing him
0: wow so how many how many turkeys in your life do you think you've harvested? Do you have any idea? Like just you, just you pulling the trigger?
1: Oh, um, you know, yeah, I used to keep a record of everything, mm-hmm. and I've hunted all over. Um, I think I've killed turkeys in about eight to ten different states. Um. Oh. And here used to be years ago when we first had a season in South Carolina, we could kill five turkeys. Oh, man. Um, and then I, me being right here at North Carolina, that was two. I could kill North Carolina. So a lot of times I could kill, you know, I, I could kill seven birds with just hunting right here at home. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I, I, I dare say that I've probably me, my personal self, have probably pulled the trigger you know i killed my first bird whenever i was probably 16 i think i'm gonna tell my age here i'm 44 and there wasn't too many years that i didn't tag out wow so, <laughs> you're, you're talking and almost then you start adding i mean there was one year i think i pulled the trigger on like 15 birds <laughs> oh my goodness
0: so you you gotta be up there so if you just did seven birds between north and south carolina for we'll just round up to 30 years for easier math that'd be 210 birds right there
1: yeah
0: and then so i probably i'm
1: gonna say 250 275 easily that's Um, nuts buddy that's
0: that's wild but
1: it's... And you know the, the best year I ever had guiding between me hunting, me guiding and I done a grand slam that year. Uh we, I called in 41 birds that year. Wow. That that 41 birds to the gun. That's crazy. That was that was covering I covered six stakes that year.
0: Wow. <laughs> <laughs> that's incredible, man. That that's a that's just a true turkey legacy there that you've you've set up and you've clearly passed it on to those around you the words out you're every time i text or uh uh, call heath this time of year he, it usually starts with hang on a minute i'm with a client i'm out guiding so he's he's yep. bit bu- he's busy this time of year people know that he's the guy to go to and and uh so that just makes me feel so lucky to have you on the podcast to talk turkeys because uh i don't know of anyone who knows the bird better than you but um you well, know they talk oh for sure buddy um You've lived up to, to what Noel said about you. You're a true killer for sure. But, um, <laughs> you, you know, we hear all the time about the decline of turkey numbers, and we talked about this with quail, you and I have before, just how uh, the the quail numbers have changed even in your lifetime, and especially between uh, your dad and your grandfather in your lifetime. Uh, yep. Quail just used to dominate the south, and they've pretty much dried up. But turkeys are kind of doing the same thing, not quite as rapidly as quail, but you hear all the time that turkeys are kind of on the decline throughout the country. I don't know for sure what the numbers are for here in Iowa. It doesn't really seem to be much of a concern here in Iowa, Um, but what's that look like down in North and South Carolina? Are they talking about the turkey decline down there at all, or things seem to be good as ever.
1: Uh, no, absolutely. Um, it's a hundred percent decline. Um, I I can go back even, let's say, fifteen years ago, and one particular farm, that I've got. So so my granddaddy's farm, which I own now, also Mm -hmm. butts up to a uh, a piece of land that I pretty much treated as it's mine. I've had it all my entire life. My daddy had at least. And, you know, I've killed my first deer on this piece of land. So, I mean, I've been hunting my life. And um, let's just say 15 years ago, I could go get on this one hilltop on a good goblin morning. When I say, you know, the weather's right, the pressure's right, and and a lot of people was like, oh, you know, turkeys gobble, you know, it's a turkey's going to gobble when he wants to gobble. Well, yeah, that's true, but those really high-pressure days, just like deer movement they seem to gobble better. Like, I mean, it was 35 degrees this morning. And I was like, oh, it's too cold. No, the birds lit it up this morning. Hmm. You know, it, it was it was a high pressure day, no wind, and the birds lit it up. But I could go over there on that farm, you know, 15 years ago and get on my heel, and I didn't know which direction I wanted to go. You know, wow. I mean, <laughs> I'd hear 10, 15 different birds gobbling, you wow. know, in a 300 degrees around me, and I just didn't know which bird I wanted to pick out. And now I go over there, and I'm lucky if I hear one or two birds gobbling. Hmm. You know, I mean, yeah. I'm excited if I hear one or two birds gobbling on the farm. um And more mornings than not, I go and don't hear a turkey gobble. Wow! So, hundred percent, it is on the decline. Um,
0: have and you, there's a whole have market. you have you had to kind of change up how you hunt then, as far as uh you know lay off some of your traditional ground that you would be on and go and get permission on other ground or spend more time on public just to find birds to reach a limit?
1: Yeah. So, you know, used to, I was all about, I need to fill a tag.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: I, I I need to fill a tag. I need to fill a tag. And and to be honest, so my little boys killed one this year and I've killed two Mm-hmm. and, um, I don't know that I'm going to punch another South Carolina tag. If I punch another South Carolina tag and tag out or my little boy, um, I got another farm I can go to that I have not taken a turkey off of this year. And we'll probably hunt there. But between ball schedule and everything else, we're probably going to be hunting Midwest next. But, you know, sure. I may go to public, but I'm probably done. I don't, you know, several years ago, yeah, I didn't mind killing – what I wanted to kill, you know, wherever I wanted to kill, yeah. where it was. Leading. So when we used to have five, uh, certain counties, you can only kill two in mm-hmm. and certain counties. You could kill all five in, uh, with that being said now, the way they've changed it up, we can only kill three birds, but we can only kill one bird the first 10 days of the season.
0: Okay. So they're letting
1: the birds feed they thinking that helps them breed. That helps birds breeding earlier and earlier and earlier. They're trying to help the population, but um, it's helping some, I do believe. Mm. But I don't – my number one thing that I 100% think – like, I've seen it big time on our Kansas stuff. I'm, I'm going to go all the way out to Kansas. Sure. Kansas ground – Four years ago we had birds. I had no problem going to Kansas and I kill I'd kill my limit of birds usually in a day, day and a half. Wow. And and I'd be done. I mean it didn't matter we could find a bird easy. I didn't even hunt Kansas last year because I didn't want to shoot a bird on any of our ground because we didn't hardly have any. Wow. Wow. Yeah, that's insane. Kansas <laughs> is getting hit hard. Parts of Oklahoma's getting hit really hard. There's a lot of those Midwest states that are getting hit really, really hard. and and this is just my dealing. This is what I think. Mm Um, one, your habitats getting cut, you're you're getting farmers that are taking a lot of the nesting grounds and putting it back in ag, which is, there's nothing wrong with that. It is, it is what it is. Um, this might be a, a, this might be a sore thumb for a lot of deer hunters and I'm a big deer hunter and don't get me wrong. If it's legal in your state to pour corn pile out, go for it. I'm good to go with it. Sure. But we don't see this as much here because we a lot of the Midwest stuff, they just pile their corn up. They ain't got a lot of moisture in the ground. We got a lot of moisture here. So we mm-hmm. have to spread it thin so it doesn't mold. Well, they say that some of the mold in the corn gets some of the turkeys and they get oh, a disease. Oh, really? It's, I think that's a small percentage. In my opinion, mm-hmm. I think the number one and two thing is why our turkeys are declining so bad all over the country. It ain't just certain states. It's all over the country. Is ground nesting predators. Nobody does. The fur market has went to crap. Yeah. Yep. So nobody's wanting to trap coons and possums and all that. Everybody wants to shoot a coyote, so that's fine. You know, shoot the coats. Mm-hmm. I'm not really worried about that coyote as much yeah. as I am the coons, the possums, and the skunks.
0: Right. Yeah.
1: I ha- I have seen it impact a farm. I had tried. I kind of got a little slack for a couple of years, but I really tried to get back on it hard this year and, and catch a lot of coons during trapping season off of my farms because I've seen it help. Mm-hmm. I've seen it bounce back. And then I go out to Kansas and, you know, I'm looking at cameras out there during deer season and there's one cell camera and there's 35 coons on that one camera.
0: Yeah. 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 I heard a statistic, I don't know, maybe six, nine months ago, something like that, um, where uh, the number of raccoons has gone from, I think it was two raccoons per square mile on average in the United States to 200 uh, raccoons per square mile you know on the average
1: 100% uh, you know, there... I believe I believe that's what it is. Yeah. I mean I honestly believe that you need to get rid of every raccoon you can possibly get.
0: Yeah. Yep. Yeah, and you're exactly right. You know, that was that's been the price of of uh huh, for I guess for lack of a better term, that's been the price of fur now. Is because there is no fur market, then we lose all these other things. And nope. uh you know Of all the ridiculous things that we've allowed public perception to, um, you know, make a nonsensical judgment call on uh, the fur, the fur market was probably one of the worst. And granted, you know, you can go back in time and look at when we trapped out beavers and different parts. Obviously, it's got to be within, it's got to be regulated, but to just go from from that to nothing forever isn't the answer either you know with with his and some would say well i mean people weren't messing with them at one at some point in history yeah but people also weren't changing the landscape like we have now where everyone's got a an all-you-can-eat buffet sitting at the end of their driveway and a big trash can to feed all these animals and they have all this edge habitat and old barns and old haymows and everything for these animals to be living in and And so their populations have exploded as a result of us being here. And so they got to be managed through trapping. And, and I mean, even look at the old coon hunter, uh, culture. That's all but gone, you know, uh, used to be, uh, yeah, the, the way I understand it. 50 years ago, everybody was coon hunting. People were just as, as diehard coon hunters as they were deer hunters. And, uh, uh, that culture is all but extinct in America. And so, yeah, that, that definitely needs to come back. And then, of course, you know, as a guy who works in the habitat business now, um, yeah, we got to have more habitat acres, more nesting ground, uh, nesting cover for turkeys on the map. Yep. And if we don't, then we can expect more of the same, unfortunately of uh what we've been seeing so yep, yep definitely a thing to to be looking into and if you're listening to this and you're like yeah well what about all the turkey hunting that's going on that's not doing it i mean obviously the 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 state game agencies when they set their tag quotas and 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 everything they're looking at that data and they're making those decisions based on that. Like he said, they adjusted how many you can shoot within the first so many days of the season and, and that, and that's part of that. So it's not just the hunting pressure by any means. Um, so all these other things that are, that are having a even weightier effect, but yeah, it's great to get your perspective on that. I knew you would, you would have a better insight than me, um, being a guy who, <laughs> who, uh, hunts turkeys all the time. So, but Well, I, one of the things, so I want to just hit a couple topics here. I am a, I am not an accomplished turkey hunter by any means, Heath. And, and to be honest with you, I haven't, I, I'm so much into whitetails that eats up a lot of my time, whether it's during, you know, archery season or, or any of the gun seasons. Um, and of course shed season really dominates my time in the spring. And then I basically have to, it's the give and take, you know how that goes. You're a family man. Oh yeah. And so, uh, and I do, I do hit pheasants, you know, decently hard too. I got a couple of bird dogs. So I try and, I try and, uh, surrender some time in the spring to, uh, being around the house a little bit more often. So I haven't tried real hard at turkey hunting yet, but I want to get better at it. And so I kind of want to break down just a few, uh, general things that I have for you. First of all, uh, I got to think, and you probably don't have to do this as much now because you've. Put in this work in years past but the scouting side of it so like let's say if you're going to a new state and you're wanting to get on some birds um are you going to like start driving around maybe on gravel roads at a certain at a certain time in the evening or morning and just get the binoculars out and try and locate birds that way or are you going to um are you going to be uh uh just you know, saying, hey, that habitat looks good over there. I'm going to hop out there and get a hunt and see what's going on. Uh, how, do, how do you go about the scouting side of locating birds?
1: So, you know, if I live out in your part of the country, or like when I'm in Kansas, Oklahoma, or whatever, I don't mind riding around and glass them, you know. That's that's perfectly fine. Try to glass them up, you know, from a distance, see what they're doing. Um, home, it's a little different. Get on Onyx. I try to look and see uh, where the creek bottoms are or where there's ridges, you know, good turkey habitat. Uh, I I do try to get up prior to mornings uh, that I'm going to hunt and listen, see if I can hear birds gobble, figure out where they're gobbling at. Um, I may go walk, find some scratchings, uh, figure out where those turkeys are hanging out midday. Uh, but if, let, let's just say I, I'm going to a property in the morning here at home and I have never hunted it before. Mm-hmm. I know nothing about it. I'm going to get on on X or I'm going to get on, you know, a, a map where I can look at a map of this place and I'm going to figure out the high points. I'm going to figure out where the, the, the highest points are on this. And then I'm going to look for water. I'm going to look for some kind of drain that's close to those high points. Okay. And what I like to do, just like this morning, now I'm very familiar with where I was guiding at this morning. I mean, I'm down there every day. I -hmm. know this property like the back of my hand. Sure. But the turkeys here this year seem to be two weeks ahead of what they normally are. We got green. We greened up really quick here yeah um, we had a lot of warm weather in February, so anyway, I knew there was some birds in this area I was hunting this morning, but I didn't have no clue exactly what these birds were doing, so I just walked this morning at daybreak, you know, about goblin time six thirty. me and my client, we walked down this road and I got on this ridge where I could hear a lot where I could you know I could really hear a lot of area, sure. And I waited and the first bird gobbled and I, I, I've kind of got a rule of thumb on my part from sitting there in the morning and he's gobbling on the roost. He's got to gobble more than two times on his own before I'm going to break and go to him really quickly. You know?
0: Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That's an interesting rule. So I
1: sat there this morning, a bird gobbled pretty far off. Then another bird gobbled off at another direction. Well, long story short, I ended up hearing four birds this morning and the second of the four, was gobbling pretty good on his own. And he just so happened to be kind of the closer one. So we went after him, put a game plan together as I'm going towards him. Sit down, get where I think I needed to be. Sure. Fifteen minutes later he's standing in our lap and we got a dead turkey. So <laughs> <laughs> See, it was a pretty quick hunt.
0: Well, so so you're going up to those high points. I like that. That's a good. That's a good way for people to just zero in on where to look. Now, is a pond a good water source for you, or are you looking more for like creeks, streams?
1: Uh, yeah, I'm looking more creeks now. Pond drains, like the drain out the back of the pond. Um, so they a li- lot of times they like
0: that moving water, basically.
1: Well, it ain't necessarily the water. I, I don't think it really has anything to do with the water part of it. Okay. I mean, it it, it may don't get me wrong it, there may be something to do with the water let's take we got the pd river runs down through where i work at up there it's a big river okay birds love to roost right on the river like okay. right on the river i think it's more let's take iowa for instance you know this in iowa mm-hmm. those birds like to roost low and come up high okay and the reason they, i think they like to roost low which is usually in a drain down by a creek down by the river you know that's going to be your lowest point on any property mm-hmm. if they get on the side of those hills and just pitch right out there it's really easy for them to pitch up the roost on those low spots and and then be high up in the tree okay yeah that's so
0: they don't have to they don't have to work so hard to get up into the roosting point of the tree exactly they they can fly off the side of the hill and yep that's a good that's an interesting point so now if you're doing a morning hunt they're coming out of the tree so in the morning are you you're going down into that low point then to start out in the morning
1: no i usually like to stay high
0: stay high in the morning
1: i don't care where you're at in any part of the country a turkey's easier to call uphill than he is downhill
0: Okay, that's that's good to know. That's a good little <laughs> that's a good little tip. <laughs> well, that makes me not feel so bad about. So, my closest I had my my best encounter. Now, I also got to paint this part of the picture too. I always include uh in the brief weekend that I go, I always bring my dad along and my uh son who's uh now 5. And uh it's all three of us crammed into that that blind and I know I'm biting off more than I can chew, but to me the including them in on it, because you know during deer season I'm, i you, you, we gotta be honest, we can be a little selfish, you know <laughs> you gotta you gotta it's just gotta be me otherwise it's too hard to too hard to pull one over on a buck with uh, somebody else in tow but um the the time that I did that, I did set up high and I did see turkeys um <laughs> So I, that, that's, that's good insight. Now, are you still gonna, I mean, you still gotta be, have pretty good cover on that hillside though. Right. So are you looking yeah, for like you, cedar I mean, trees think, or something?
1: Yeah. You know, I mean, a turkey obviously has got the best eyesight in the world and, and he can hear, he can, I mean, you can scratch in the leaves one time and he's 200 yards away from you. He knows exactly where you are at. Hmm. Um, let's just take my bird today for, for instance, mid midday today. Um, I come up and kind of on this hardwood ridge and you know, he, he's gobbling, he's on the next ridge and and I, I know the property obviously, and I know he's either right in the edge of the hardwoods or he's in this little small eighth of an acre, little food plot that I got over there. Okay, He's somewhere right there around that goblin. And I'm like, okay, I'm going to try him here. I'm going to stay on this ridge, but. This is this bird, he's got to come down the other ridge, hop across a two-foot-wide creek, which ain't nothing for him. He can hop right across that and come up the hill to me, right? Yep. So I messed with him for like 15 minutes there just to see I was testing his temperature. Hmm. And he gobbled at everything I did. I didn't hit him hard, and I wasn't calling to him a lot. It's middle of the day. Nine times out of ten, a bird in the middle of the day will work if you get in his right path. A turkey will come to you as fast as he can come to you if you're set up in the right spot to kill him, should I say. Okay. Now, he may still come to you later, but it may take him an hour to come to you. Sure. So once I figured out this turkey had not moved today in fifteen minutes and it's middle of the day, I'm like, all right, I gotta get on this turkey same same level. I I, I got to I gotta back out, go down this little logging road, cut down into this ditch to where I know this turkey can't see me, you know, moving through the hardwoods. Yeah, And I basically, I made a 200-yard loop very fast, let's put it that way, mm-hmm. once I got over the hill. But I kept a hillside between me and him, crossed over that little creek, and come up the backside of the hill that he was on. Okay. And whenever I got back there, yeah, I literally called to that bird three times and scratched in the leaves in a little bit. And he come from 100 yards well, he was probably 150, 200 yards from me. The first time I called to him, he gobbled. The next time I called to him, he was half the distance. The next time I called to him, I could hear him spitting and drumming, and I could see the tip of his tail fan just over the hill. And he finally tipped up there and found out what a 410 peel was to the head. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, that's a great – you just painted a great picture there. That 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 gives me a, a lot more – I don't know, confidence in my, my plan going into this year. So, uh, definitely, uh, gotta, gotta prioritize getting to the right terrain. And then, uh, from there gauge how the bird is interacting, you know, if if he's calling a lot or, and, and even like you said, the time of day that he's calling and, uh, if he's moving at all, responding to your calls or not, then you gotta, you gotta adjust on that too. So that's, that's great information. That's exactly what I need. Okay. So. Now here's another question: You know where you're gonna go. When is too late to be setting up the blind? Is the morning of too late? Should you get out nah. there?
1: So <laughs> you want you wanna, you want to hear you want to hear a rodeo story? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so let's go back to last weekend. Not this past weekend, but the weekend before that. It was youth weekend for North Carolina, right? Season opened up. Uh, that Saturday was really bad weather. We had, we had some Iowa winds, Kansas wind. <laughs> I mean, we don't have 40 mile an hour winds sustained yeah. around there. And I had a ground blind that I had set up a couple of days prior on this spoo plot on a hill, been getting pictures of a bird. I had a, a five, six year old kid, never killed a Turkey. Uh, and, and we were going to take him that morning knew the birds was there. I had pictures of them at like seven forty five that afternoon going off this big hill down to the river. Hmm. They always roost down there, you know. I'm like, all right, bud we're killing the turkey in the morning, you know, we just gotta go get in the blind. We gotta get in there early because these birds are gonna be right there or close to us. It's black dark and I ease up there where the blind is and I'm like, the blind's gone. Oh no. And I look back at his daddy and kind of whisper to him, we got a problem. Uh, the blind is not where it's supposed to be, <laughs> so here it is—black, dark. I can't shine no flashlights, you know. Right, right. So I'm like, all right. Y'all just stay put. Let me slip around right here around this and see if I can locate this blind. And of course, the blind blew across the clover plot off the hill to where the turkeys are roosted at. Oh. So I thank God it's black dark. I find the blind. And it's got briars on it there. So I'm making some noise, right? Yeah. Yep. I finally get this blind drug up out of the woods, back across the clover plot. We flip it back up, get in the blind. The turkey flops at 7 o'clock that morning. <laughs> <laughs> so, so. so I don't think a blind set. You could tow the blind in and set it up in the middle of a field out there and call a turkey in and kill him. Put a decoy up, call a turkey in and kill it. You won't do that with a whitetail.
0: Right. Yeah. Right. And that's probably part of my problem is I'm hunting too. I'm hunting them too much like they're whitetails. So, so uh, you're not so worried then about having that other cover to like brush in a blind like you would if you were whitetail hunting. You would you would set it yeah. up in the middle of a hillside.
1: Yeah. If you want if you <clears> want to hunt out of a ground blind for turkeys. You can absolutely tote that thing in the morning of, pop it up and get in it if you want. If you wanted to, if that's wow. if you want to hunt ground blind, obviously if you've got kids and all that going with you, ground blind is the best. Yeah. But you could you could definitely figure out what the turkeys are, roost them if you want to roost one, you know, or if you've been seeing one somewhere, if you've been seeing them out in the middle of the field, go pop the blind up out there in the middle of the field, hmm. put the decoys, put the decoys out there at twenty yards and kill them
0: okay, you know? yeah that's that's uh great advice so so you're getting set up in the morning now. Do you feel that a little bit of noise, obviously in your case, it didn't a little bit of noise as long as you're in the pitch black isn't such a big deal because they probably hear things all night long. Coyotes running around deer coyotes running around deer
1: running around everything you know everything's making noise in the leaves at night. I honestly don't believe the noise as long as it's black dark
0: okay once as long it's...
1: as it's black dark now if it starts cracking daylight where he can see different story right but this black dark you can go literally sit almost underneath his tree i believe and now we might not can right now uh this morning we had a full moon so you know oh, you know, he'd sure probably see a little better but you know when if it's black outside dark was go in the dark. You can get as close as you want to to him. I don't like to get that close. I like to be, ideally, if I know where there's a bird at and he's still in the tree, I like to be, if I can get to within 100 yards of him, 100 yards is a good distance to be from that bird and, and still have him come right in, right off the roost. You ain't got to be any closer than that. But if you can get, you know, if you can get 100 yards, fine. If not, that's fine too, yeah. I like to get as close as I can get to the roost without him boogering. You know, I don't mm-hmm. want to get too close.
0: Now, That, that is exactly what I need to hear. That's great. I can't wait to drop this episode for everyone. It's so helpful already. So once you're all set up and, uh, you know, you're in there at the right, the right time of the day, when do you start, um, calling? Is it as soon as, as soon as, Daybreaks, are you on the call or do you wait you know until after you know not it's not even first light anymore now it's actual after sunrise is that when um, you hit the call
1: so you know there there's a lot of people turkey hunt a lot of different ways one let's just go ahead and tell you all my turkey hunters i don't care who it is you ain't got to be a world champion caller to kill a turkey Mm. Long as long as you can do a simple cluck and purr and a little hen yelp you know halfway decent you can kill a turkey um because not every hen sounds like the perfect turkey walking across the stage you know Sure. yeah uh but let, let's let's back up to daylight you know a lot of people and i and i have nothing against this this is just not my style mm-hmm. um i'm not a big owl hooter guy mm-hmm. you know a lot of people want to blow a owl hoot and try to get that bird fired up on the roost, um, and, and, locate where he's gobbling at, and like I said, I have nothing wrong with it, and I have before, and I ain't saying I won't never do it again, but I'm more of let that bird do its own thing. Sure. If he's going to gobble on the roost, he's going to gobble on the roost. Mm-hmm. So I, I kind of stand around and let them gobble on their own. I never hit a locator call first thing in the morning. Now I will hit my crow call a lot throughout the day, or if I'm have to move on a bird to keep him gobbling Mm. so i can move on him and understand where he's at because if you call to him he could be coming to you and you're not ready you're not in a position to kill him yet you know sure so if i got to move on him and he's gobbling i'll try to get him to gobble to a crow call just so i can keep up with where he's at um let's just say i i'm standing there this morning we'll go back to my morning hunt this morning bird gobbles on his own he probably gobbled eight or ten times on his own. I ain't said mm-hmm. a word. To I get to where I think I need to be. I set down, I get my hunter ready, everything, you know, we go going good. I get out mouth call and a slate call. So I got a pot call and I got a mouth call in. That's that's kind of what I like to run.
0: That's good. I've never heard of that before. But is that just so you can sound like multiple birds at once? So it, it yeah. sounds like there's more
1: different birds. It sounds
0: like there's more action going on over there
1: so what i do generally i you know you got to test the waters of every bird every bird will let you know how much he can take Mm -hmm. so this bird this morning was gobbling he wasn't like killing it he was gobbling about once every two minutes where there was another bird that was down below us that was gobbling like every 15 seconds I mean, he was choking them out.
0: Okay. Yeah. But
1: anyway, this bird where we were at, a lot of times I won't do. You don't. I don't do a lot of calling while they're in the tree. I call to him. I may do like a few soft clucks, and a one series of soft tree yelps. If he cuts me off or gobbles back at me doing that. I don't say another word 99.9% of the time until I know he's on the ground. Okay. And once he hits the ground, I'm going to hit him again. If he cuts me off and sounds like he's coming, I'm going to shut up. Sure. I'm going to shut up. I'm going to make him come look for me. Mm -hmm. Now, if he hangs up a little bit or if he gobbles a couple times in the same spot, you know, you got to read what I call read the gobble.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: if he's gobbling a little bit well you call a little bit okay if he's gobbling a whole lot you probably can play with him a little more but your best scenario is if he ever gobbles at you and cuts you off be quiet i like to let him gobble two or three times on his own then i'll test him again if he cuts me off again hush but if it sounds like he's like, – let's just say he's 100 yards. And he's saying, you know, he's 50 yards. Just be quiet.
0: Hmm.
1: Don't say nothing. Knock your safety off and get ready. Be uh, looking for Because a lot of times that last – that bird did it this morning. That last 60, 70 yards he comes in, he's going to come in quiet most of the time.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Man, this was a uh, – this is exactly what I needed for this episode. This is – the basics of turkey hunting. Like if you just <laughs> if you just went back and and listen to this, I feel like somebody could go kill a turkey, uh, and yep. you're the best guy to learn from. You've you've got all the experience doing it, and and obviously um, we need to do another episode in the future, maybe where you we this this could be like turkey hunting 101, and yep. uh, then we go to the master level class. What do you do when all else is failing? How do you know when to move? But but for now, yep. I think this is. This is the perfect amount of information for a guy like myself or anyone else in my shoes who's brand new to turkey hunting, haven't seen that success yet. You want to get better, man. There's a, like a, just a handful of actionable th- uh, instructions here that anybody could put into play, and I and I do feel that um, I do feel that I could get it done with. Having a full house in the blind with me, you know, as long as I can keep everybody quiet during, during lights up and everything. We get that, get out there early enough in the pitch black, get that blind up, get those decoys in the ground, go uphill, you know, but obviously got to be close to kind of a food source there, you know, something that, that. Nat, you know, naturally, I assume, right? You got to be somewhere where turkeys would naturally want to be.
1: Well, I mean, yeah, your hens obviously, he's wanting to hang out with the hens most of the time. um So, I mean, they they got wherever they got their areas that they go to in the mornings, and he's got a strut zone. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, we're reversing nature. We're calling, we're hen calling to bring him to us where he's gobbling, bringing the hens to him. That's technically That's true, yeah. the way it's supposed to work. But he's also got his strut zone, and this this. This is probably getting into like you want to say that, that little more in depth end of it. But every turkey's got his strut zone that he's going to go to in the morning and he's going to strut that zone. It might be a logging road, a ridge top, a bench on the side of a ridge. He's got somewhere that he goes pretty much every morning and he may have a couple of them. Hmm. And that's where he's going to strut at for a little bit. He's going to strut from one end of it to the other end of it. And a lot of times, I've seen it I've seen it a hundred times, he'll strut to one end of it and he'll gobble a couple of times. He'll strut to the other end of it, he'll gobble a couple of times. Mm. And if he's got a big enough strut zone, when he goes to one end and you can motor around to the other end of it, as soon as you make a call, he'll run to you. <laughs> <laughs>
0: That's what I want to hear. That's what I want to hear. <clears throat> well, this is this has just been fantastic. I'm definitely excited to put this stuff into action for myself, and hopefully, uh, get to see some of the the uh, payoff from that. But Heath, really appreciate you coming on tonight, brother. Uh, like I said at yes, the beginning sir. of the show, it's been far too long since we've had you on. Uh, we need to get you on this fall too for some uh, deer talk. Um, there's not a better deer hunter out there than Heath either. You think he stacks up the turkeys. You should see, uh, uh, you should see how many deer he whacks every year and the, and the caliber of those deer too. It's, uh, it's outstanding, but, um, just really appreciate you, Heath. Uh, how can people follow along with you?
1: Uh, I'm on both Facebook and Instagram. It's just, it's under Heath Rayfield. Um, both of my my social media stuff is there and of course you can see us uh on the woodsman and buck ventures and all that stuff too yeah so. yep
0: and you'll occasionally see him on real tree or or uh, yeah. so, some other place like that where he or maybe field and stream that was uh the yep. 2021 season yep. yep uh with uh the uh what was his name again was it uh it was a r- high tower high tower yep
1: um they did one this year on that deer I had that I killed this year, Austin. They did another they did a story on field and stream on him too.
0: That's awesome.
1: Um, yeah, Hightower was what was that? My years ago, twenty one. Twenty one. Yep. Yep. Um he was in the top sixteen early season bucks killed.
0: Yep. Yep, so you can definitely see Heath all over the place. Be looking for his name. You'll come across it. He is, like I said, one of the best hunters I've ever met. And uh, you'll, you'll feel that way too after you start doing some looking around. And definitely check out uh, The Woodsman on My Outdoor TV. You can see our good buddy Noel there as well. And uh, just a tremendous program that Heath is a part of. Great team there of guys. I've met uh, several of them, and uh, they're all great guys, uh, just high-quality people. So definitely check out that as well. Uh, Please remember, this podcast is presented by Spartan Forge. Spartan Forge is an incredible uh, mapping app, but also has the deer behavior prediction side of that as well that uh you can uh utilize during deer season. Uh this time of year though for turkey season you could definitely utilize the access marking on the mapping and identify some of those high points that uh Heath was talking about, some good areas to to be hunting. Uh so use the mapping for that. Go over to my link tree and Instagram or the link that is here in uh these show notes and you can get on with Spartan Forge there and uh, make sure uh, uh, if you do, tell Bill that I sent you. Um, he's such a good guy. You enjoy talking to him. You can reach out to him through Instagram as well. And then also, our other uh, sponsor of the show, uh, Alex Gruen from East to West Hunts. If you got a plan or a hunt that you need planned, uh, maybe it's a dream hunt. Maybe you just need to get in on, on building points for a bunch of different areas where you want to hunt in the future. Alex is the man to talk to. He knows every bit of the ins and outs of every state i'm not kidding you you think i might be exaggerating if you're listening into this but alex will take care of you and make sure you have a cohesive and coherent plan uh something that goes well together and makes a lot of sense with uh what draw odds are and uh even you know something as as uh Uh, simple as how old are you right now and if it takes 15 years to get that doll sheep tag are you really going to be young enough to still climb for the most difficult game in the in the country to get after you know he'll help you put that kind of a uh, you know make those kinds of decisions Alex will take care of you so go over to eastwesthunts.com use the promo code firstgen10 and save yourself 10% uh, from whatever service you book with Alex. So again eastwesthunts.com where you can do that and you can also find him in the show notes or or uh on Instagram you can uh find his Instagram profile as well in the show notes. But Heath, thank you again buddy for hopping on and thank you to all the listeners please leave us a five star review if uh, you'd be so kind as to do so and again always reach out love hearing from you it truly is the best part of doing the podcast hearing from you listeners uh love y'all thank you for all of you uh tuning in each and every episode and until next time take care and take someone hunting